this is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome. It is Thursday, 27 October in the year of our Lord, 2022. Okay, we're, what, 12 days away in every show, every moment of War Room, uh, both when we're on screen and after us, is all focused on um, on uh, 12 days, uh, 8 uh, November. And, of course, making sure we not just win the vote, but we secure the vote. Um, the And, by the way, we have Peter Hernandez up. What I wanted to play for Peter, I wanted to alert my team. We had an amazing clip this morning on these uh, outreach centers for the RNC. I want to make sure we play that for his cold open when he joins us here momentarily. But I want to start with really a blockbuster poll that came out today from the great team over at Rasmussen. Mark Mitchell joins us. Mark, uh, I actually read this out this morning when it came out. Uh, I could hear the gasp in the audience. It's one thing I've been saying for a long time that Kemp, and remember, Kemp was not our cup of tea, although I will tell you, Outside of his problems with election integrity in the 2020 election, he governed as, uh, I think, as well as DeSantis did. And I think that shows up. But I, I've been saying I think Kemp could win by 10 points, that Stacey Abrams may have a very tough time breaking uh, 40. Uh, this poll this morning, 10-point spread, uh, Kemp right. at 51, Stacey Abrams at 41. I mean, absolutely blockbuster. And then you had Herschel Walker, I think, catching the updraft. One, from his debate performance. Two, from Kemp. Walk us through the poll, the cross tabs, and what does Georgia tell us about what's happening in Georgia? What does it tell us about what do you see happening in the rest of the country? Uh, absolutely. And let me start by thanking Emerald Robinson. She really kindly sponsored this poll for us. We weren't going to go into Georgia, and I'm super glad we did because this really was an interesting poll. And I think what stood out to me so much is, is why, you know, Kemp's gone up against Abrams in the past. What changed between now and 2018? And the independent voters tell the entire story. Kemp's up 22 points over Stacey Abrams with independence now. And, you know, according to numbers I saw, he lost independence by 10 points in 2018. So it's, you know, two years of economic pain under Biden and the independents have changed their minds. And that's what you see here. Independence is a large chunk of the electorate down there. So Kemp's over the 50% mark in our, our poll. That's great for him. And uh, what we had, Walker, 48, uh, 48 to 43, pretty close within spitting distance to the 50% mark. Uh, there's a few more not sure and undecideds in his race. But, you know, I think by the time people get in and pull the lever, uh, you know, the straight ticket vote's probably going to give him a little bit more of a, um, you know, tailwind than the people tell us on the phones. Look, all, uh, nonstop, the two things you you hear on mainstream media over the last 48 hours is, is not Fetterman's machine meltdown in, uh, in Pennsylvania, but Dr. Oz's uh, response on abortion, which was a standard response. The other thing you have, because they, they connect these two stories his response on abortion, and another Herschel Walker story. Do you believe, given the strength of Kemp 
and particularly the strength of both of them with independence, that uh, these stories right now in Herschel Walker, do you think they'll have much, much impact? Do you think because of early voting and it just being baked in that just, just to be another media story? Well, we asked about early voting in this poll. And of course, once again, what really happens in, in real life doesn't always necessarily match what people tell us in a poll. But a ridiculous number of people in Georgia specifically uh, intend to or already did early votes. The numbers, I think, around 60 percent with, uh, you, know, you know, a good chunk of not sure and less than 30 percent of people voting in person on Election Day. Now, of course, plans changed. But, you know, really, Steve, I don't know how much these news developments are really changing people that much if they haven't had a chance to look around and make their decision about, you know, the GOP is up 10 points in the generic ballot in Georgia. It's not just the candidates. And especially on the Democrat side, too. We talked in Pennsylvania about how that poll was a bit of a head scratcher because there's, you know, clearly some problems um, with Fetterman as a candidate. But then you go through and look at the issues in the poll and how Democrats respond on the issues. And you get 43% of people saying that the economy is very important for them or something. Democrats, they're they're not acknowledging those issues. The only issue that's driving them, the one that's very important for them is abortion at 74%. So, you know, the Roe v. Wade decision happened. It's what's driving Democrat voters, the extent to which anything is. Like literally none of the other issues in Georgia or or PA are driving the Democrat voters. And I I imagine it's less so with the Republicans, but with the Republicans, all the issues are driving them. Like every every single one, (laughs) gas prices, violent crime, inflation, drug issues, legal immigration, that's what's getting them to the poll. And that brings me back to all of the other election indicators that now are pointing to Republican wins that were not there in 2018. You know, a large portion of uh, the Democrat electorate in Georgia is African American. The the uh, ruling cl- the party, the Democrat Party, made a conscious decision to put not just J six, but insurrection, the end of democracy, all of it. Front and center. In fact, until the until the Roe v. Wade decision, the Dobbs decision, abortion wasn't even you know wasn't even an issue, and that happened in what June. Is your uh, polling showing that that was an epic fail? That the Democrats just picked a wrong issue, not just for the citizens of Georgia, but for the African American community, that they have more practical concerns, that this theoretical concern about the end of democracy, insurrection, J six, the committee that was on television all the time. That looks like it didn't resonate. Was that a bad strategic decision by the Democrats? I, you know, I don't want to get into the strategy. I'll tell you what I saw with the numbers. So repeatedly over months, you know, we've been going out and testing every single one of these issues. I think we have 15 issues for the midterm elections from the ones that I mentioned before to, you know, the illegal immigration abortion issue, Ukraine war, LGBT issues and all these other things. And what you see on the given nightly news broadcast made it nowhere into the top 10, right? Like the top ones were violent crime, inflation, gas prices, and then believe it or not, election integrity, which doesn't really show up on any of the pollsters lists for some reason. And illegal immigration high on the Republican side and not necessarily high on independents, but otherwise independents or Republicans but same same thing, the same lists, the same orders, and you know, independence a, a few less points, like ten points less. 
Um, and then Democrat, Democrats, abortion pops up in there in the list, but at a nationwide level, they care about these kitchen table issues too. Uh, did, none of those other issues ever really popped into the top 10 at all, like ever. Ukraine, not, like not really. COVID hasn't been there all year, except for abortion. So there was a period of time where abortion popped up into, I, I forget, number five or six, and it was driven primarily by Democrats, but also by independents too. And it just sort of sliming its way back on down the list. And it's right on the top of the list in these swing states for, for Democrat voters. Uh, you know, the extent to which they're more motivated to vote now than they were before, it's because of the abortion issue. I think that's made them forget about all of the usher, other issues. Uh, but it's, it's like, I, I don't think it's going to move the needle because once again, all these indicators point to a strong Republican turnout now. Did they a month or two ago? Not to the same extent, but you know things have happened since then. Times passed, stock markets have gone down. Uh, it's a, a different situation. The generic ballot at plus ten in, in Georgia now for the Republicans in the independents. I just want to make sure: is it Kemp up twenty-two and, and Walker up seventeen? I just want, what, what what are they up individually among independents as independents? candidates? Uh, Kemp. Yes, independents. Is, Walker. Oh, Walker. Walker's beating Warnock. Kemp and Walker. Kemp, Kemp's cl- yeah, 49 to 35, Walker versus Warnock among independents. And Hispanics, 52 versus 38. So Walker's doing great with the Hispanic vote. Believe it or not, it's one of the areas versus Kemp where he's outshining. Um, for, Walk, uh, for Kemp, Kemp is up 49 to 32 over Abrams among independents huge because once again uh that, four years ago he was down 10 so that's let me i want to go to the stacy i mean those numbers are how do you how do you it, how do you even describe those numbers those numbers have come and they they've been building but they've now exploded that we have hispanic community which is a high priority for the democratic party you have a you have uh the independence which they're always making uh inroads into the independence what do you what do you say caused that? How, how are we in a place where Kemp is ten points over Stacey Abrams? And and people have to understand on MSNBC in particular, she's like a host. She's not even a co-host. I'm sure she's raising tons of money, and she's raised tons of money. I mean, she is by far the number one candidate of MSNBC, and that's a very powerful apparatus. She's by far the number one. They've got a lot of favorites with uh, uh, uh you know Katie Hobbs and. Uh, and Whitmer, and there's a number of favorites they got, but by, by first among equals is definitely Stacey Abrams. With that media apparatus in back of it, and she's kind of become a cause. How are we seeing numbers, a 10-point spread, but then you look into the cross tabs, it's even brutal in the Hispanic community, the independent community. I mean, how did that happen? So I can't point to any one particular number, but I'll give you some anecdotes, right? We This is our first poll in Georgia. And most of our polling is at a nationwide level. And to be honest, you know, the, the movement in the Hispanic vote is usually not the top headline, although there's been movement. Um, you know, Biden is underwater with Hispanics and approval rating. It's been getting worse. Um, but I'll tell you this. We poll on things like here's an example. If you, if you look at the news, you'd think, well, pretty much, you know, 90% of American voters 
are pro-choice. Everybody's super cool with abortion. I mean, like this is what, you, you know, watching MSNBC and CNN, it, you know, that's the takeaway, right? And when we ask that question of, of American voters, are you pro-choice or pro-life? Pro-choice does win by, you know, five, seven points, but, you know, not by much. We're talking 47 to 43 or something like that. I forget the numbers, right? But then when you actually drill into the detail, you say, all right, like here's zero months, three months, you know, six months, nine months. Like wh when is it okay? And only 13% of the electorate is okay with abortions between six and nine months. And if any kind of those questions where it's like, all right, there's a, a left-wing narrative, it's being assumed that it's part of the whole entire collective psyche, it's not the case. If you ask people about violent crime questions and if, uh, you know, where they sit on the police force and should we have like, get, you know, let people out without bail and those kind of questions, right? Like we've pulled on this stuff. People are against it. People don't want to do things that are going to make their lives worse. They don't want to have energy policies that's going to make their gas go to five or 10 bucks a gallon. So, I mean, is that not what happened over the last year or two? Uh, you know, there absolutely are ideologues buried within independents, Hispanics, uh, Democrats, but they are the minority of those voting blocks. And it, it's, it's you see, the people at the top don't seem to think that way. Mark, you guys have done extraordinary work here over the next couple. Can you give people a heads up or any of the states you're working on? I know you do your daily tracking. Any Anything you're seeing on the daily tracking? Is there any other things we should pull out before we let you go? You've become really an audience favorite. <laughs> Thanks. I'll, I'll give you a rundown of a couple of really cool things. We're going to probably try and get into Arizona next week. And then I don't know if we're going to be back in any of the states. Um, but <laughs> I looked at the generic ballot numbers this week so far. The number is going to be back up again tomorrow, back to a pretty sizable and comfortable Republican lead. So from that perspective, Republicans uh, have the momentum. Uh, Biden approval is coming down again. So that's also in the Republican column. I mentioned last time I was on your show that among people very excited to vote, Republicans still have a six-point edge. But there's one video I just cut yesterday, which is a really interesting one, because 2018 was hard to predict, right? It was a dead heat in the generic ballot, right? There was reasons why Republicans had momentum. Trump had turned the corner and was had a higher approval. But at the same time, everybody was kind of really down on the Republican con uh, Congress. Voter enthusiasm was equal across parties. It was a tough one to predict. But when you go back and look at all the questions that we asked, there was really one that stood out that's saying, all right, well, the Democrats gained in the House and they had a lead in this particular question set. So we asked voters, how is important, this is in 2018, how important is it that GOP keeps control of Congress? And only 51% of voters said important. And then we said, how important is it that Dems win Congress? And 55% important but they had an eight point lead among people that said very important. So Dems were up eight points over Republicans in that question set uh, in 2018. Well, we asked that same set of questions last week and now Republicans are up 14 points over Democrats with that same question set, you know, flipped. Wow. And they're up 12 points among those who say it's very important. So voters are 12 points more likely to say it's very important that the GOP wins the house then the Dems keep control of the House. And then the numbers among independents wow. are even crazier. It's, it's 19 points among independents who say it's very important that Republicans win control. So, I mean, if that continues to be predicted... Hold on, 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 hold on
You're saying that in your polling, that even independents are higher than Republicans on very important to take the House? No, no, that was that was total voters. 12% okay. more Got voters it. say that it's important Republicans take control than the Dems keep control. 19% more independents. Yeah. But that's a huge number. 19% yeah. for independence is a blowout number, right? Yeah. Wow. A ticking time bomb for the Democrats. Mark, I know you're up on YouTube. I, I want to make sure everybody gets to where they can find you. Your your information is incredible. Rasmussen is incredible. Where do people go? Uh, go to our website. Sign up for free daily updates. Please subscribe on both YouTube and Rumble now. Uh, all the videos are the same, so pick take your take your choice. Uh, and you should go and follow us on Twitter now if you haven't, because things might be changing a little bit on Twitter, Twitter knock on wood. <laughs> we'll see. Elon Musk now looks like he can control. Mark Mitchell from Rasmussen, yeah. thank you very much. Appreciate thank it. Thank you, Steve. want to make sure we push out again into the thing, the Rasmussen poll on Georgia. It's absolutely blockbuster. Uh, Brian Kemp, 10-point spread over Stacey Abrams. The cause that is Stacey Abrams, 10-point spread. Herschel Walker winning by three. Remember, we all got to deliver, particularly people in Georgia. You got to get out. You got to get everybody out to vote. You got to secure this vote. But clearly, the momentum looks like it's there. One of the most blowout numbers there is the Hispanic community coming to the side of Kemp, coming to the side of Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker is actually outdrawing Kemp in the Hispanic vote. This is blockbuster news coming out of Georgia. Let's go ahead and play the cold open. Can I play? I want to play this uh, very important segment about the RNC. From, uh, from NBC News, who are not fans. Let's play it. I want to bring in then Peter Hernandez. Team with diverse communities more than ever. It's all part of a multi-million dollar strategy by the RNC to shift the margins among non-white voters just enough. Why did you all decide as a party to invest in these brick and mortar sites instead of, for example, putting that money in, in ads, social media, television, radio? Because we have done that, and we're not refraining from doing what we used to do. We're doing just something additional. It's a plan the RNC says is working. While Democrats still have an advantage among Hispanic voters, recent polls found a 14 percentage point swing towards Republicans since the 2020 election, with a similar shift to the right among black voters. I'm Carrie Lake. As governor, I will issue a declaration of invasion. This, while Republican candidates across the country focus on the border and immigration as central campaign issues. You know, we've seen dozens of ads and, and interviews from Republican candidates calling southern border crossers, for example, uh, an invasion. So are these centers enough to counter that type of rhetoric? Okay, that rhetoric is uh, wrong. We're not against immigration. It's not that we hate the people that is in the other side of the border. It's that we love the people that is in this side of the border and we have to protect them. One of the fascinating things about these centers is how inconspicuous they are. Here at the shopping mall, there's a beauty salon, there's a dentist's office, there's an urgent care clinic, and it's that low profile that has some progressive strategists concerned. Does it make me feel good that they're doing it? No. Is it going to be super effective? I hope not, but it still is worrisome for Democrats to see Republicans showing up in neighborhoods that used to be safely ours. A strategy Martinez says he hopes will continue through Election Day. Is it working? Have you seen more people come to the doors, fewer people come to the events? I have seen more people come through and everything. They, they want to see change. 
All right. So we do want to make clear that those polling shifts to the right cannot be directly attributed to any one thing. But Republicans do believe that these centers are a key element. We also reached out to the Democratic National Committee, who acknowledged that they have not chosen to invest in these particular kinds of community centers. But instead, they pointed to a seven-figure investment in Spanish-language ads in key states and similar level of spending on messaging towards black voters in print and on the radio. And they also pointed to decades worth of voter outreach programs for both communities, adding in part in a statement, the RNC's community centers will not be enough to hide the Republican Party's extreme plans to ban abortion, make health care more expensive, and gift corporations and the ultra-wealthy tax giveaways. A sign that really neither side is leaving anything to chance when it comes to reaching these voters. That is so fascinating. I don't think anybody's aware. A lot of people are not aware watching the show what's going on. I was saying we had... Okay, um, Pete Hernandez out in California running against Zoe Lofgren, uh, an old battle axe. Um, Pete, is, is talk about the outreach. We've seen it happening in Georgia and South Texas. What's happening in California? And I, I don't know if the Democrats' messaging is right when the first line they put about the counter is to say uh, abortion. I'm not so sure abortion plays well to the traditional Hispanic community. Give us your assessment, sir. Well, as, as, uh, thank you for having me back, Steve, and thank you to the War Room Posse. So the boots on the ground that I'm seeing has nothing to do with, with uh, getting into the weeds with abortion. The reality is, is that's a personal issue. But this, the, when it comes down to the breakdown of our communities, you're basically seeing just more of a desire for them to understand how these basically very leftist policies are destroying our community. It's like the boiling frog element where slowly but surely they're seeing a degradation of their freedoms. And I think what you're highlighting is the reality that now the, the Latinos are being woken up. We just had an all-American Latino event. It was really well attended. There was a lot of excitement in the room, and it was six very influential Latinos in their perspective uh, backgrounds. And so they basically are talking about the issues because they're actually, you know, like Anthony Cabasa, for example, who's been at the border. He's a, he's a proud Mexicano. He cares about his community. And now he understands the issues better to be able to educate and articulate those things and really just give them the truth. And the people are hungry. And that's the, the biggest thing that's standing out is the Latino community. The American community is hungry for the truth. And that's why people are shifting. You know, the reason that we've had you on and, and been highlighting your race, you're obviously against one of the war horses that, that are on the J6 committee. That's why I wanted um, Mark Mitchell to be on before you, because he's been doing this as head of Rasmussen for the entire two years. And he's been tracking and saying, hey, J6, really, it's on MSNBC and CNN every night, Washington Post, New York Times. It is literally not even it doesn't even fog a mirror as far as they're polling. And it has been like that for over a year. You have probably the most prominent that hasn't had to pay a price for this yet. And yet you're in a community with Hispanics. That's a huge outreach, but it's also the crime, the inflation, the bad economy. Everything is, is impacting them. Where do you think you stand? Are people in the district actually starting to make that connection that she really is a national Democrat that really focuses on what they what their concerns are as a party and that uh, and that you're really the rising generation? of this engaged Latino and Hispanic community? Well, if you look at the engagement that I've had, I've been all up and down this district, right? We've called over 480,000 voters. We've door knocked 40,000 homes. We actually just met, this is a, we had a candidate form just recently at a local church, actually my church, where uh, we, we debated the issues. Candidate, you know, basically Zoloft showed up and they're all seeing that 
that Zolofkin is not present. And yes, January 6th has nothing to do with what the community of the, or the district cares about. They're tired of hearing about this national issues that are really not relative to the local as far as January 6th. And basically this individual, Zolofkin, caring to go after uh, a president who's no longer in office and uh, instead of caring about the issues of the district. People are tired of it. They're feeling the pain, right? I mean, if anything, the Latinos, the you know, the community that I'm talking to, they want to know how they're going to have more freedom. And I think that's where we have a huge opportunity as conservatives to educate them on the fact that freedom is actual mobility, right? We're talking about inflation, crime, all these things that are that are minimizing the ability for our communities to choose or chart their own course. And so now you actually have kind of this connecting fiber where now we have this kind of engagement through my campaign where we're starting to share with them the reality of what mobility looks like to choose over your parent or your children's life, to choose to start a business and not be overregulated to where you can't even be successful or even to invest, right? In innovation and investment. That's what the American dream is about, is having the freedom to be able to choose and government on the left, especially my opponent, Zolofkin, is all about restricting that freedom and telling you how to basically live your life. And that's 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 uh, antithetical to this Latino community. I, I hate to be so, um, how's this, not cynical, but power politics to your community. Do they understand the Democrats are going to lose the House and she will have absolutely, she'll be an old member of a party that'll have 150 to 170 seats. They will be totally irrelevant and particularly irrelevant to the district. They understand that you're a rising star and that if you're elected, you're just not going to be part of the House. You're going to be one of the superstars in the House representing not just the district, but the entire Latino and Hispanic community. Has that word, has that reality set in that Zoe Lofgren, even if she was to win, would be a loss for the district? Well, and I appreciate that. And when it comes to uh, the voters that I've talked to and the engagement that we've had, the 84 volunteers and their engagement, there's definitely this sentiment. It's funny because the majority are, are excited and they're seeing me as this rising star in the community. And it's humble. It's humbling to me because my focus is basically restoring my community, right? As a Christian man, ultimately involved in the politics. And I've seen the breakdown of my communities. But there, yes, so they... They, everybody wants to come up and take a picture and they, they want to be able to, they want me to autograph stuff, which is kind of unique, right? It's not something that I'm used to, but uh, the people that are the majority, which are, you know, the, the majority of this district that are seeing what I'm doing, I'm getting nothing but kudos, a lot of response and a lot of excitement. I mean, there's a lot of people hedging their bets. I have people on actually door knocking on a Sunday afternoon yeah. because they're so excited about this campaign. Pete, 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 hang on for hang, hang, hang on for one second. We're gonna take a short commercial break. We got a packed second half of the show. Stick around. War Room Battleground. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. 
Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash war room to install the unplugged suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. They put Peter Navarro in leg irons for simply doing his constitutional duty. Now they want to put Peter in prison for standing up for Donald Trump. Please go to Amazon right now and order Taking Back Trump's America to help fund Peter's legal defense. Taking Back Trump's America provides a critical MAGA blueprint to put Trump back in the White House in 2024. Buy Taking Back Trump's America on Amazon today. If they can put Peter Navarro in prison, they can come for all of us. Folks, let me tell you about Solti. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome back. Uh, you're in the War Room Battleground. Uh, Pete, what's your, uh, what's your social media? This is a race that's become very, very evident to people in the district that the Democratic Party is losing nationwide and a vote for Zoe Lofgren is a vote for no power and no representation, right? Even if she was to win, it'd be irrelevant because in the minority, this, it, it, the way the House rolls, doesn't make a difference because you either got a choice between Pete Hernandez, a rising star, or oblivion. It's just reality. If Zoe Lofgren was to win, they're only going to have 150 seats in the House. They're going to be out of power for a decade. So the district has to understand something. You're not going to have any representation for a decade or longer. That's reality. And I can show people in the district any set of numbers that will back that up. Pete, how do people get to... Uh, how do people get to your site? How do they find out more about this campaign? Because this is one of holding Zoe Lofgren accountable uh, for what she has done to that district and what she has done to the country. So it's her, HernandezForCongress.com, Steve. To touch on your point just really quick, 
it is the reality. Brand new district, everything south of Giroy, which is basically the old 19 now ex expanded basically all the way down to King City, San Ardo. So if you look at the district, you have three brand new counties. Those three brand new counties are majority Latino. They're rural, they're middle class, they're agricultural. They're everything that I am and she's not. I am Congressional District 18 and the community knows it. The conservative values are taking over because we're connecting the dots to these bad policies and what true freedom looks like, what real rep representation looks like. HernandezForCongress.com is my website. Please donate, donate, donate because we're hitting it hard. We're carpet bombing this district basically towards the end of this thing with media, TV, radio, and we need your help to finish strong. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, fantastic job, Brother Hernandez. Uh, I've got Philip Patrick on. I want to talk about the economy. I want to talk about this GDP number today and still the horrific economics that we're dealing with, the bond market, the stock market, uh, all the different assets. Lo uh, biggest uh, increase, uh, the 30-year mortgage is now over 7%. Good luck if you're under 35 years old buying a house. But I've got to go something very disturbing. It's not just the 20th Party Congress that should have everybody on edge of what she did. It's not simply today Putin's speech that basically says we're permanent partners. Taiwan is part of, you know, as we're reclaiming Ukraine, they're going to reclaim uh, Taiwan. It's, it's not even all that in the danger. The red lights are flashing. It is the weakness of the West and particularly the Catholic Church. Right here, we're, we're covering Bolsonaro nonstop, right? We're covering Bolsonaro nonstop. Financial Times today has this massive story about Bolsonaro and this, heat, this dead heat with the, with the radical Marxist Lula down in Brazil. And what is it based upon? Is it based upon evangelical Christians? The populist president's social conservative coalition will continue to shape the country's politics, whether he wins or loses against Lula this weekend. And what they talk about is the power of evangelical Christianity as a political force. They estimate there may be, I think, 100 million evangelical Christians now in Brazil, many of those Christians, former Catholics. And the reason is the Catholic Church just got to be too um, uh, thin gruel for them. It didn't have the, the substance and the power of evangelical Christianity. Uh, bring in Jason Jones now. Jason, you, you fought for the, uh, you, you, you have fought for the weak throughout the world, whether it's in Afghanistan, whether it's Hispanic, whether it's Sub-Saharan Africa, uh, whether it's in Iraq. Uh, you know, Christians throughout the world, they're being persecuted. Uh, you see, I think, and I've had the opportunity to meet him many times and spend time with him, Cardinal Zen, which is, you know, one of the holiest men, you can't rank him, but one of the holiest men in the epitome of what the church, and particularly the old church, stood for. He's on trial by the CCP, uh, and no one in the Vatican, the Vatican on the opening of the trial announces an extension of the secret deal with the Chinese Communist Party, which allows the CCP essentially pick bishops in this phony patriotic Catholic uh, church. Uh, Jason, uh, tell us about Cardinal Zen and how it speaks to bigger issues right now geopolitically. Yeah, Cardinal Zen is a, is a humble servant of God. As you said, he's courageous. He's facing prison time simply for fundraising for legal expenses for uh, democracy activists. And there are eight other bishops that have been disappeared, vanished, and taken to black prison sites. One of these bishops, Bishop Julius, uh, he was disappeared simply for providing the sacraments and caring for disabled orphans. The deal that the Catholic Church, the secret deal between the Vatican and the CCP is that in exchange for the CCP choosing bishops, 
the Catholic Church will commit to not allowing anyone under 18 to receive religious education or to enter a church. That's the deal. That deal is akin to allowing Antifa to select the bishops here in the United States. And it's, it's really, it's really absolutely unbelievable. But here's, as you said, I'm a Catholic. I am a uh, thick soup Catholic right here. And um, there are some thin soup ca Catholics like uh, Secretary of State Perilin. But the irony and mystery of the church is 100 years from now, there'll be icons of Cardinal Zen for sale and little trinkets at Vatican shops, and no one will remember the name Perilin. And I truly believe, as you know, and thanks to your work in the White House, I've been advocating for the Uyghur now for almost a decade, the, the ethnic minority, Muslim population, three million of them in prison, being carved up for body parts. Uh, Cardinal Sarando from the Vatican uh, went to one of these human trafficking, um, organ trafficking conferences and came back and said, China's the best example of uh, Catholic social teaching in action. So it, it really is horrific, but I believe that the string, this thread, of disappearing our bishops, smashing our churches. Steve, they are smashing churches, ripping out crucifixes from our churches and replacing them with surveillance cameras. They are disappearing Catholics across the country, including some of the most prominent Catholics like Jimmy Lai. I, I know, Steve, it's, it's unimaginable in this country to think that the government would be used to persecute prominent leaders. We were told when we gave China MFN that they would become more like us, and as you know intimately, we are becoming more like them. As a Catholic, we ha I have no deal with the CCP. I'm committed to defeating the CCP. Tell me yes, Steve. Look, 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 you are one of the great fighters against the Chinese Communist Party in both defense of the Uyghurs and defense of Christians, the underground house church, which is evangelical, the underground Catholic church. You've been putting it all on the line for Catholics and for Christians throughout the Middle East, Sub-Saharan Africa. That's why the battle in Brazil is so important. This battle in Brazil is atheistic Marxist communism, as represented by Lula and the elites, the World Economic Forum Davos, versus a grassroots movement that is driven by the, uh, the burning passion that you see in evangelical Christianity. It's amazing what's going on. Here, Jason, the Catholic vote people, I think it's Catholic vote, just put $2 million into ads that says, uh, and it goes against, and I had a, a chance to talk to a Catholic identity group uh, called Catholics for Catholics, or Catholics Vote for Catholics, uh, down in Arizona, in Arizona about two weeks ago. Um, they're saying, hey, all the Democrats, I think it's in Arizona, you got Kerry Lake and all these people that are for all the traditional beliefs of the Catholic Church, but their opposition are all Catholics, including Katie Hobbs, who's the most radical abortion people. She doesn't believe there should be any controls over abortion She's not just right. a Catholic. She is a product of Catholic education. I think she went to grammar school and in the in high school uh, in, a, in, a, in a Catholic situation. What is, and by the way, the Catholic vote people said we need to take out the trash. I think that was her comment. Yes. And they're focused on Pelosi and some of the senior members. Well, give us, we got a couple of minutes left with you. Tell us your assessment of that, sir. Yeah, we have the patriotic church here in the United States, don't we? Uh, that has conformed to the spirit of the age, that bows before uh, the gods of the city. But Jesus Christ, as a Catholic, is king. And as a Catholic, it is my job to serve the vulnerable. And today, and Steve, this is why I'm so grateful for the War Room and the War Room Posse, because the CCP has, they believe 
that that city on a hill has already fallen. And so they are running amok. This election is very important. We are facing um, a year of the, the, of the worst famine ever. My organization across Africa, the Middle East, and Afghanistan is already inundated with demands to feed vulnerable Christian communities uh, in hiding. Um, it's going to be a very tough year. This Everything depends on this election. If, the, if our city on a hill falls, the world falls to, falls to tyranny. And there are so many. I say the CCP is the empire of hell, and Xi is its emperor. And so many in the West have decided to subordinate themselves to this empire. But as a Catholic, it is the Catholic, the apostolate of the individual Catholic is to really pour themselves out, immolate themselves out in the service of the vulnerable. Whether it is, as in our previous segment, loving and protecting migrants from economic exploitation by securing the border, shutting down the underground economy, protecting our children from fentanyl and violence and drugs, uh, protecting the other side of the border from guns, like we saw in the Obama administration flood across in the other direction. We really have to put the vulnerable first. This election is, is, is there's nothing more important in the world than this election. But I think one thing is Catholics, as Christians and others that to know that in China right now, there are Catholics who have literally been disappeared, bishops for simply caring for disabled orphans and giving them the sacraments. Then the Vatican is silent, not just the Vatican, Steve, um, the hierarchy of the church here in the United States is silent. You have celebrity Bishop Barron, never a peep on the persecuted church in China. So it is our responsibility as lay Catholics to be that voice. Steve, I wrote an article about you in 2016 that Steve Bannon and I know. And that article was about how Steve can't help it but go to fight for the vulnerable. Here you are in the middle of this important election giving me time to speak out on behalf of these humble, noble, beautiful bishops. We created a website, freeourbishops.com. You can go there and learn about these men. But that is really... Cardinal Zen and these bishops are the tip of the iceberg. There are tens of thousands of Christians, Catholic and evangelicals, who have been disappeared. Just a couple of years ago, a report came out that they were using Christian slaves to make Christian ornaments to sell in the United States. And this situation is really horrific, but you're right. Here in the United States, we are so decadent. We are all, we're talking about the LGBT issues and this issues and those issues went really from the Uyghur and Chinese-occupied East Turkestan to the persecution of the church, to the smashing of and trashing of Hong Kong, to the threatening of Taiwan. Absolute silence. Uh, just today, another uh, Catholic priest was kidnapped uh, by Islamists in Nigeria. There is a lot of suffering that the body, or body of Christ is undergoing right now. You know, Paul in his letters, almost 70% of the time when he talked to us about tithing and praying, it was for the persecuted church. We have to ask, do we really think that much about the persecuted church? Or are we obsessing on our, our own decadent issues? So, of course, everyone listening needs to vote. They need to vote for those candidates that will advocate for freedom at home. Yeah. Because freedom at home, uh, we will be that city on a hill. And, Steve, by you giving me this opportunity, we have right now activists in Rome outside the Vatican handing out flyers in Italian and English. And next week, we'll also have them in Mandarin calling on the CCP to free our bishops. Uh, we're going to be back at the NBA games with our banners, not just for the Uyghur, but for our bishops. Free, and you've free, given me this opportunity. Free the Uyghurs. Free the, no. Thank you. You're, you're fighting the Lord's, you're fighting the Lord's fights. Incredible. I, I want to give if, all the sites where people should go in your social media. 
So it's freeourbishops.com. Sign our pledge. It's going to go to the Holy Father, Pope Francis, and our political leaders, freeourbishops.com. If you want to fight with us as we defend the most vulnerable people in the world when everyone else leaves, thegreatcampaign.org. My Gitter account is The Jason Jones Show. And my podcast where we fight for the vulnerable, it's The Jason Jones Show. Thank you, Steve. Jason, uh, you're a fighter, and you particularly fight for the people that it's very tough to fight for themselves. So God bless you, and uh, Godspeed. Thank you for sharing your platform with us, sir. Jason Jones, a mighty warrior. I will tell you that. That guy fights every day of the week for the people that are absolutely the most vulnerable in the world. I want to bring in Philip Patrick now. from Go Philip, I want to do it a little differently today, and this comes off of the shows the last couple of days. People reach out to me, you know, I talk to a lot of people after the show and a lot of the, and they are, they're hurting. They see the day the mortgage rates goes the highest in 20 years. They look at their house price dropping, their 401k is getting eviscerated. They see this GDP number. There's more confusion. I want to take this moment. We'll talk about the, the economy, I think, but I want to know how, walk them through how they connect with the Birch Gold team, how they connect with you, how they start to get into the process to learn more about because they understand that even if we win, it's going to be incredibly choppy given these massive decisions are made, what's happening in the United Kingdom. So how do people engage with the Birch Gold team? Of course. So it's very easy and we make it easy, of course, for your listeners. Uh, they've got to go to birchgold.com slash Bannon. Again, birchgold.com forward slash Bannon. What that's going to give them access to is information, right? We have a very detailed information kit that's there to guide people through the why, why precious metals are so important today. And I think it's a great place to get started. There are a lot of people like myself at Birch, very knowledgeable that are there to guide people through, hold their hand and take them through the process step by step by step. But we always say, you say it all the time, information is key. And I think that's the best place to start. I think our, I think our audience too understands something that we've been trying to put forward to people. We're going to win and we're going to win massively. And then there's going to be this huge con confrontation between two systems. You know, the Democrats are still going to have the executive branch while the legislative. But this is the long game. It's not, there's no wand that's going to get, in fact, it's going to get worse before it gets better. People, and I think on precious metals, it is, you got to understand it as an asset class. You got to understand its history. This is why we've done, and I want everybody when they go to Birch Gold slash Bannon, please get, it's totally free. As you get the information kit from Birch Gold, please get our end of the dollar empire. The first two segments, we're going to put a third out after the, after the, uh, after the, the election. But the first is the politics of money about the founding of the nation, really up to the, the founding of the Federal Reserve. And the second is the demise of the dollar as the uh, as the uh, the prime reserve currency. People need to understand this nomenclature, particularly you see every night they're on there about the debt ceiling. You know, it's an issue we've driven. The Democrats understand what's coming. They're trying to scare people with Social Security and with uh, and with Medicare, which is not going to happen. But there has to be there has to be changes. And you know this, Philip. As a financier and a guy that understands capital markets, we just can't continue to print free out money, can we, sir? Absolutely not. And that's why these these midterms are so important, right? We need 
we need both houses here because that's our only chance to curb Biden's appetite to spend. It's this absurd spending. People forget that we've got a $1.4 trillion deficit this year. And this is at a time when we're trying to fight inflation, which is killing the quality of life for everyday Americans. And then we've got this guy acting like Santa Claus. And, and the, the biggest issue with the spending is how wasteful it is. So this is our opportunity to curb this guy's ability to spend. It's the only chance we have. Whatever happens, it looks like he's got two more years until 2024. We need to restrict his ability to spend. It's the only chance we have to save the economy. This is the most important election that I can remember in, in my lifetime. You, you agree that if we don't win this and put some constraints on this, I actually say end his regime on the evening of the day, but minimum, put some strict restrictions on this. You see the economy and the capital markets and the financing ability of the United States to be to be gone? Absolutely, yes. Listen, in 2024, if we get Trump, God willing, he's going to be able to put us on a much, much better trajectory. We saw the Trump economy. We saw how good that was. But we don't want to leave him in an unsolvable problem, right? Two years with the Democrats in power spending as they want to spend, it's going to be a very, very tough situation. Again, this is the most important midterm election I, I can ever remember. Yes, I believe it. We have to stop it. We have to stop it now. Uh, how do people get to and follow your and follow you on uh, on social media? I follow you on Getter. Where, I don't know if you're going to also... Go to Twitter now that now that Elon Musk is in charge. But I know your Getter account is fantastic. How do people get to you there? Of course, it's at Philip Patrick on Getter. Again, that's at Philip Patrick. I'm trying to put out as much content, much educational stuff as I can. I hope it's helping people, but that's how they can reach me. Also, Birch Gold, one more time for people to get the information kits and everything you got. You guys got array of things, 401ks. I know people may be. 201Ks a day, but hey, maybe if you got involved with, with uh, Birch earlier, it wouldn't be a 201K. But this is why I say you got to take this. You got to look at the long game. You got to look at the long game. So where do people get the information? Very simple, birchgold.com forward slash Bannon. That's going to get them not only access to our precious metals investment guide, but also the dollar report that, that you wrote, which is fantastic. They can get all of the information, birchgold.com slash Bannon. I want to thank you, uh, Patrick or uh, Philip. We're going to have you back. Uh, we're going to have you back uh, at another time. Talk about this GDP number today, how it was juiced by how the bond market ain't buying it. <laughs> right? That's a they, nonsense. They look and they're they're not they're 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 not saluting. Philip Patrick Birchgold, no. thank you so much. Thank you as always, Steve. Okay, as you know, these shows are getting even more intense, more urgent, and the reason is is that we have a major a date in American history. We have a your rendezvous with destiny, uh, that would be the deplorables, that would be MAGA, that would be the uh, America First movement. Uh, we're 12 days away every day throughout the day. We're going to be pounding it. We're going to be up on Getter Live. We're going to be announcing a bunch of uh, uh, Getter Lives. Make sure tonight you go to uh, Maureen Bannon and over to Grace Chong. They're going to be with the, uh, the one and only um, Royce White about alpha versus beta males. You're not going to miss that. Plus, there's other... I think there's going to be another debate in Alaska tonight, Kelly Chewbacca at 11 p.m. Make sure you go there. See us back here tomorrow morning at 10. It's going to be nonstop for the next 12 days, both how we win the vote and how we secure the vote. 
nonstop in the war room. We'll see you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Of course, I'll be in and out of these getter lives all throughout the evening.